Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Last Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Kiva Sweeney. And to her left is... Tian Coyle. And that's it. <laughs> oh, no, that's not all. I'm currently petting a dog here. Your very own dog, Suki. Stop petting me. So <laughs> <laughs> is that you? <laughs> 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 you? You need to have a shave, Kiva. <laughs> I know, I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Suki's first appearance since the first episode? Nah, she was on before. Has she been? No! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure one's that dog trans land. <laughs> she was on the episode where Dom was on mushies. Ah, yes. That so, faithful episode. Because I was terrified of a faithful mushroom <laughs> dropping to the ground. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you were afraid of your dog being on mushrooms. <laughs> I just kill her or something? I was, I was more afraid that Dom might fucking eat her or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a cheeseburger, man. Yeah, it's a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was far better. A dog is literally on the name. Fuck's sake. Rage weird. I'm really rubbing about that. <laughs> so, Kiva, we, have, we haven't had you on the pod since all the Christmas, New Year debacle i know I was <laughs> did you did you have a good christmas in year oh yeah i was so busy just celebrating getting lots of expensive stuff <laughs> like <laughs> christmas rocks <laughs> <laughs> lady of luxury what, lady um, of luxury? what swag did you get uh so i got a lot of lego oh. <laughs> that's me i know but also got a ps4 what, what? <laughs> i felt like i was 16 again <laughs> it was really good um did you also get lego dimensions that's what i got <laughs> no Swap me PS4. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Stop bringing on the parade, Mickey. <laughs> you, you need a PS4 for Lego Dimension. He must oh. have been that kid in school. Oh. Well, you get for Christmas when I got this. <laughs> oh, I'm saying we, we could have played it together. You should start a Lego club. What? You used to be two Lego collectors? Or are you one of those kids as well who doesn't want to share his toys? I'll share. Are you sure? I swallow things. <laughs> Like Lego. Well, <laughs> good thing you ended that though. <laughs> does it does it come out as like belt stuff? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's an interior process. Stomach's got talent. Stomach's got talent. <laughs> uh, no. Well, oh, hang on. What kind of Lego did you did you get? Any sets or just no, general um, Lego? I got some more like mini mini Legos. Oh. It was like nano Legos. Yeah. Um. That. I started to try and build. I got some dinosaurs. Remember, Sam, for my birthday. Mm. Started trying to build them. Oh, so infuriating, but so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> they come with extra pieces just for me. Oh, <laughs> I, saw, oh I swallowed that piece dead. Oh, there's none. <laughs> that one's up my nose. <laughs> I got pissed off. It wouldn't fit through it in a fire. But that it's kind of. It's only got one leg. <laughs> 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 and it's like shape. 
and it can never come apart because it's melted together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a blob. Did you, ever, you ever used to be really cruel to your toys, Owen? You ever used to like really beat the shit out of your toys and they were usually your favourite toys? I was I was like that fucking kid at a toy story. Sid. Sid. I, was like, Sid. <laughs> I really was. I had this. I don't know why. My mum must have got them like a pawn shop or something because it was never on the Star Trek as a fucking wing. But she, uh, she what do you call, it's like the new Star Trek, the boy, it was the, the, the black fella with a visor. Oh, fuck. C- can't remember his name, no. but I had a figure at home and I thought he was like the coolest fucking action figure going. But then I used to do the worst shit. Then, like, I mean, I remember the time I put him in the microwave and fucking blew up the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> My ma was raging because she had no microwave and he was fucked. I mean, he you looked don't like... put toys in the science machine. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like Deadpool with his mask off when he came out. <laughs> I mean, he was just all melted down and stuff, but then I thought he was even cooler for it. What other swag did you get? Um, they were kind of my main things. Got loads of cozy PJs mm. and uh, like a shed, shed, shed ton of chocolate and sweets and stuff. Is it all gone? Oh, it's all gone. There's like <laughs> one triangle of Toblerone left <laughs> that I only started last night, and there's one triangle left. I love that Bully Conway thing as well. And he says Toberone is almost like an endurance test. It's not like any normal confectionery. Because it's the only <laughs> confectionery that you cannot eat without hurting yourself. Because if you try and bite down on Toberone, it's going right under the roof of your mouth. You know what I mean? And then it has those weird shards inside of it. <laughs> he said as well that they're, uh, the Toberone, obviously, are supposed to be based on the Alps. As if the Alps are all the very same size and right behind each other. <laughs> is that why they're uh, Apparently, yeah. Apparently they're supposed to be. Because they're like Swiss, aren't they? Uh, Swiss Alps. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds made up. It's a Did you Google this Wikipedia Toberone immediately? No, I guarantee it's right. But surely if it was the Alps, they they would the the triangles would go in a triangle themselves. So like the middle one would be the biggest one. Oh, that'd be impossible to eat them, Mickey. Put that package just, in the bag. Yeah, of. think about the package. Well, think about the packages, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be a, a triangle, triangle. But imagine trying to get that big, like. The big metal one in your mouth? No, it's not happening. It's not happening. You, you don't need to do it all one go. Keep us swallows things, though, so you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. No, they have to be based on the Alps. The Alps are the mountains not on the packet. Yeah. Yeah, well, come on. They must be based I'm, on the Alps. Well. well they're I based on mountains in general. Only seen the packet for two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, packets. Now with the chocolate. He has never actually seen a packet of Tumblr. <laughs> just, just had the chocolate. In general. <laughs> any food stuff, just never seen a packet whatsoever. I never went to a supermarket. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> she just knows it's almost like a fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> I just use my smell. <laughs> Danger bottle. <laughs> Haven't heard that in a while. I was kind of sad oh, that last podcast. Yeah, I know, but it was kind of sad last week because I felt empty inside me, but not doing. So we're all too fucked. Well, no, I was drinking. Dan and Shan. Well, Dan was having a wee hot whiskey as well. Oh, I Sh- Shan was here. Sh- Shan had a bug of six days of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's also another. I meant no, to say that about <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> that stomach yeah. bug alcoholism. Presents <laughs> and too much booze. Ah, oh, so fucked. Who knew that going to your fucking in laws? birthday party is gonna wreck you so much like <laughs> and then my was saying that last time they're not even big drinkers i think they specifically knew that i started back at work after my christmas holidays and then the next morning oh, it's a trap That's it definitely was a trap <laughs> such an in-law move uh, i know <laughs> you try to get me really fucked up to see what i would say about them or some shit uh, like that there just they screw you over they, uh, they secretly hate you well, i was being a serious johnny tight lips i give them nothing that <laughs> <laughs> and i give them nothing that because i physically couldn't fucking speak after 11 o'clock how's it going chan <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Tumbleweed. <laughs> okay, so the danger bottle this week is 
it actually goes quite well with Shan's car out because people can't see it, but he's brought like a wee mini car out for himself. Yeah. He has a wee half bottle of vodka Cookie. and three cans of Coke when normally he lands with a big bottle of Coke, a big bottle of vodka. This again is the Christmas hangover still in play here, you know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to wean myself back on the drink again. So what is this? It's all the same thing, but we each have our own bottle of it. Ah. So here we go. What is this? Parvu. Oh. Like you. Dragon Stout. Oh Parvu. my word. This sounds fucking incredible. Oh, I'm dead already. Product of Jamaica. Wow. Since 1920, apparently. Original Jamaican Stout. I've never heard it. It's 7.5%. 7. 7. Oh, yeah. Oh, my For God. For a fucking Stout. This I have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> one, 140 a bottle. Like on the workers, Mickey. That was pretty good. 140. A bottle. This must be nasty as fuck. Seven and a half percent stout. It has to be awful. No. Right? Do we have a bottle opener? We do. I don't think we've ever used a bottle opener in this podcast. Not, not for. Oh well. What was fucking Heron's one? Uh, Hannah Montano. Uh, <laughs> that was Hannah a bottle. Montano. Montano. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we've been recommended as well a danger bottle by our fine composer Ryan Scruff McGarrigal. Okay. Uh, apparently, it is a huge bottle of beer. It's like made in fucking Czech Republic or something like that. But it's like twelve percent volume, but it's like it's a beer, like or whatever. It's an ale, but I just love the name. It's just called Demon. <laughs> Demon, oh my! But apparently, it's got a weird sort of Eastern European inflection on it, so it's Demon. Demon. <laughs> <laughs> where Which, do you, Where do you get that shit? I don't know. We said you get it in Tesco, but I looked for it once and I couldn't see it. Right. Well, let's go to the waterside. Ah, uh, you, you can go to that big Tesco. Mm, the big Tesco's good. Nah, I think I was actually the one down the Strand Road. I'll mm. give I'll give the I'll give the waterside one a go. Okay, Should, here here we go. Should we all drink? Cheers. All? Cheers. Cheers. To the new year, new health, and new oh, year, new me and all that shit. Happy dragon. Happy <laughs> dragon. Happy dragon. Oh, it's got to kick it. You can test that 7.5% <laughs> straight away. Yeah, it gets grand. Mm. It's got a very... Dessert-like flavour. Are you a stout man yourself, Shango? How do you mean? You saying that I'm overweight? That's what he's saying. Uh... I don't know. I don't quite know what that tastes like. It's kind of, I wouldn't say chocolatey, but it tastes savoury in a way. Oh, sweet. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> the opposite of savoury. Oh, aye, that's that. Aye. <laughs> I don't know my tastes. The, the kind of, the fizz of it is like throwing me off. Usually I expect stouts to be relatively uh, still. Yeah. But it's good. I know. I, I get what Chan's saying about the chocolate in it. Still, but there is a kind of like sweet note mm. of it. In fact, like, I mean, what, what would that be then? If it was 6M for £9? I take it. I mean, you've been, you've been roped off after about two or three of them. <laughs> and I like how the bottle like doesn't make me feel like I'm not a normal sized person. <laughs> like it, it's, it is a small uh, what? Yeah. The bottle makes you feel like it's you're a, in control. It's a <laughs> 284 <laughs> mil bottle. I will be in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> think, you know what? A responsibility and for uh, Kiva's future employment, I think we should take that bottle off her right now. <laughs> She's fine. She's got this shit. She's got this shit. You don't have to go to work, Mickey. <laughs> no one at work listens. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you work in a bar too, so exactly. everybody else can be wrecked. Yeah, no, 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 no. Just say somebody about your show. People be all, why are you so happy? I'm usually a bit grumpy shit. <laughs> what a woeful excuse. <laughs> Kiva, why are you drunk? Oh, one of the fucking boys drunk and on here bought me a shot. She's <laughs> obviously not going to make me take it. you have to take it? Have you never seen Coyote Ugly? No, no. <laughs> this is my thing. I want to do work in a bar, dance on the table and say, hell no, H2O. <laughs> oh, sir. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> First day, Kiva gets up in the bar. They're all, no, no. <laughs> and it was actually the fire inspector as well. <laughs> <laughs> was this a dream? <laughs> yeah. What was the song again? Leanne Rhymes. Don't you know? Don't uh, you? What is it? Can't fight, can't the, fight moonlight. the moonlight. That's a that's a fucking tune. 
also, fun fact, Johnny Knoxville makes a cameo in that film before his Jackass fame. So, he's just an extra. He's just, like, yeah, he's just an extra. <laughs> it's not really a cameo if he isn't famous. I think he had the top part of Bar Patron 1. <laughs> so, uh, does, it, does, it, does he whip or anything? There's always like 200 of them in there. It's good. <laughs> hey, he got first billing of <laughs> Bar Patron. <laughs> he was destined for great things. Yeah, I mean, first that, then Jackass, then, what'd you call it, The Ringer? Bad Grandpa. Ugh. Background, but it was actually alright. Yeah, all the Jackass films are actually pretty funny. I I like them, and I think though it's one of those things. If you don't like Jackass, you're not going to like the films, obviously. Yeah. But if you like Jackass, and you're on that sort of ridiculously violent and like human slapstick humor, then you're you're, you're going to be on there. Like you know, it's really sad. <laughs> Jackass three, and you know that montage they play at the end. Yeah. Where you know you kind of know that it's the last Jackass film. They're kind of all going their separate ways. And I was like saying goodbye to old friends. It was kind of heartbreaking to be honest. With That's me. what I was going to say because the third one was however many years after the original series. Yeah. And even a big gap between the second film that it felt really nostalgic just watching it. Like Aye. it brings you back to being a kid. Like but I think I, I think I reviewed for the Telegraph when I was working for them and. I, I think I remember writing song like it's like seeing old friends again because it was because there was you know because I mean? you, you were that familiar with them as Wayne's when you watched it so much and you just you kind of want to be them when you're watching them when you're 13, 14 yeah I and mean, plus like, it's it's something as well that I think you did with your friends is I, reenact Jackass yeah, well, yeah. as much as possible like you know yeah. I wasn't oh, getting tasered or anything <laughs> Daniel you just do this one it's too dangerous for me <laughs> I, me and a couple of friends I think we're about again teenage years we were in school. Like me and Ryan McLaughlin and shit like that there, and we used to try and come up with our own stunts, but they were just blatant ripoffs of the Jackass ones, but a lot more PG because we were all shit scared of the improper <laughs> things. Like, you know, like, I just jumping in the pile of nettles. I was <laughs> like, like going on the supermarkets and pushing each other on the fucking displays and stuff like that, and then chasing, like getting chased out. Jeez, that's that's even a bit hardcore for me. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't know about that. Talk Although I didn't really have any friends, so I'd just be jumping. There's <laughs> <laughs> that mental. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever watch Dirty Sanchez? Yeah, they're mm. fucking Sanchez. Holy God. That just shows you the impact and the power of Buckfast. <laughs> 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 they yeah. were crazy. But anyway. I don't know though how you, they could get away with half the stuff because from what I remember as a Pritchard or Daint or one of them anyway, he literally gets his finger cut off with a samurai sword when they go to Japan. That's certainly illegal. Like that's that's well, bordering on snuff film territory. Like, end it. But he, he, <laughs> like, he was up for it. So Yeah, true. Uh, so they got his consent. I think it's fucking crazy, but anyway, he got his deck named the two by four before. So. We've all done that. Gonna have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have we watched this week apart from Jackass and Dirty Sanchez? <laughs> Give us Wayne. Okay, I watched uh, Housebound, yeah. which is a 2014 New Zealand produced film. Um, I think well, it was written, edited, and directed by. Gerard Johnston, I think. That sounds right. Gerard, um, he did it. I've seen it, but I'd love to do not know who it was. All right, so um, I watched it. It was on Netflix UK. And to me, the picture, I don't really read fully the the wee blurb, but it gave me four stars that I would like it. So I watched it. I was expecting a horror initially when I was <laughs> greeted with the the main uh protagonist uh, i think her name's tylee in the yeah. film morgana o'reilly uh, so that's that, that's the actress um what a Ky- strong Ky- name kylie bucknell yeah she oh i just thought she was oh she's just i just thought she was hilarious right me expecting to watch a horror movie and the first 15 minutes i just laughed at her it's her facial expressions the way she reacts to what's happening 
Um, she's kind of like a small time robber. She yeah. robs like ATMs and her like colleague knocks himself out with a sledgehammer and she's just all shit. <laughs> and the way she goes, I mean, I was really laughing. I was like, I shouldn't be like, I'm going to get really scared now. Yeah. But it pleasantly surprised me and being like a horror comedy. But it wasn't, I wouldn't even say it was just a horror comedy. It's every time me, I like, they like anticipate what's going to happen. Mm. It doesn't really let you do that because no. it just, it, a new plot line unfolds every time. You think you're going somewhere, something else, something else. It was uh, really good. Definitely. It's constantly subverting what you think is going to happen because I remember I was struggling for Sunday watch on Netflix. It was about two or three months ago. I was really fucking hungover on a Sunday. And I'd heard sort of good reports just via Netflix because it kept suggesting it to me. And I kept giving it like four, four and a half stars. Yeah. You know, I'd, I've always liked that Netflix recommendation thing, but sometimes it could be fucking seriously wrong. Well, I'll go on that later. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I started watching it and I assumed as well a horror film. Now I knew that it was a horror film with some common elements because of what I'd heard but I wasn't expecting that sort of humour and then as soon as you're kind of nailed down thinking right it's this wee genre mashup of horror film and and black comedy but then there's these ghost story elements thrown in there and then it's all slapstick at times and then it turns on there like a chiss film yeah. towards the end and stuff. It's like you don't know what's happening but I think it's so hard to do that well and they don't it very well. I mean don't get me wrong when I originally watched it it was one of those ones that I had a Tech maybe a few hours for it to settle on because when I first watched it, I was like, What the fuck did I just watch? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. You're right as well. Morgana O'Reilly, is it? Yeah. She's brilliant. Oh, she is perfect. She's for really, me. really good. She's got that, that just, she's got that deadpan, dry, dry humor just fucking nailed down. Like. I think that character worked really well, um, both for the comedy and the kind of the horror aspects mm. of it. You were saying it kind of took you a while to settle on it, you know, a few hours after. I was lying down in bed, and at the end, I was sitting up. At the time, I was so captivated yeah. by it. If you ever want a written system for how you much Kiva enjoys films, there you I, go. <laughs> I sat upright. <laughs> I sat upright. To sit her upper. <laughs> but um, she, she's a very much no bullshit, like uh, kind of like hard tongued, hard attitude. Yeah. Doesn't believe like she come and the mother figure in it is hilarious. Ah, I think she's yeah. so funny, but she thinks her mommy is just insane for thinking there's a ghost. The house is haunted, and she's very, very much someone who you would find it hard to believe in. Yeah. And then when she starts believing in it, that's when you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and like, it works as a scare plus a comedy. I'm too. just remembering, too, that even towards the end, we it, it's not really spoiling anything, but with the psychiatrist, it turns on the almost fucking Silence of Lambs serial killer film, it's too. Crazy. Like, you know what I mean? It's fucking rich. <laughs> it's just mental, but how it all flows is is excellent really really good and you know what probably because it's such a low budget New Zealand production you would like to think that it might be her breakthrough now because you would love to see her in more stuff oh definitely I would 100% I, would definitely. I mean it's done quite well on Netflix from what I've heard I know that that's kind of give it like a a stepping stone on their bigger audience which is something we talked about a long time ago because I think if that would have been released pre-Netflix it would have been just buried you know in New Zealand yeah. at the, how much a hard shell is that first of all it's a New Zealand film which you know why a lot of people won't be interested in unless it's an American film or British and as well because it is nigh on impossible to define like because it's so many yeah. genres yeah. whooped on the one you haven't seen it Mickey no no I think you'd really like it would Me you too. say the comedy is <clears throat> something like like what we do in the shadows like New Zealand kind of comedy yeah it's, it's, I think there's definitely that vein of humour that sort of well what we do in the shadows I think these New Zealand has a very distinct type of humour, even with like Flight of the Conquerors and stuff like that. Yeah. It's that dry, it's just essentially that dry sort of humour that 
self-deprecating sort uh, of humor as well. That's 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 what the kind of the word I was looking for. I know I was trying to think of that as well. Yeah, <laughs> say, like that dry We're both humor, right? Where it, they don't really take themselves too seriously, but usually the characters are taking themselves seriously, but they're poking fun at that. Yeah. But I that it's it's definitely quite similar to that. Definitely, I think you would really really like. Should watch it tomorrow when you're hungover. Maybe I will. Oh, it's definitely a hangover. But is it phone. scary though? <laughs> no, there. It's not scary, not really. but yeah. there there are <laughs> aspects of it where you're. It's not like jumpy, but there's yeah. some. You you are questioning what's going on. You're like, what, 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 what? what? Yeah. So you do get a an element of like, t- there's tension there. Okay. Mickey scares you though. No, but that no, but I, I like tension. <laughs> I I was actually afraid. <laughs> what of a stupid fucking. I, I, I like tension. tension. <laughs> I was afraid of being afraid of it. Yeah. When uh, I first started watching it. Well, so was you scared easy too? Don't you? I scared. I I you like love. Being scared, I, I like it. I'm weird, but I was I was like, oh, I'm gonna be afraid, and <laughs> and there was parts where I was. Yeah. But then it's just immediately undercut with like a, a joke or yeah. it just takes a mad mental turn where your brain's all what who, what what's happening. It is, I mean, like, it is tense, but it's more sort of ghost story tension. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's not like Garno or fucking like a boogeyman or some shit like that. There, it's. It's it's easy attention, you would say, but it's, it's still gitchy, you know. It still keeps you in edge of your seat. Oh, you see that? That's what's good about when they're like they're trying to take a genre and then infuse comedy, and that that so many times the comedy can be on point, but then the kind of if they're trying to bring in some like horror tropes or even like action tropes or something, that that's just kind of done a bit substandard, and it doesn't really like the the thing that I was thinking of is Spy. Yeah. Which is very funny film, mm-hmm. but the actual action in it is just about standard. Yeah, it's really. an afterthought, though. Uh, it's it's just kind of standard. Not it's not even great to <laughs> watch the action. They got fluffy sent them for a helicopter chase, man. What do you want? But you know what I mean. Like the, like Spy is really funny. Yeah. But then the, like uh, the action's an afterthought, and but when you look at something like Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz, like they they take all that stuff serious enough that it fits in the both genres. The comedy in essence, comes from the horror, if yeah. you know what I, think, I mean. I and that, it's more it that, works well in that. I think it's a difference, though, in, in just sort of writing and directors. Because if you look at Spy, Paul Feige, is that how you pronounce his surname? Feig. Feig, Paul Feig. Paul Feig is very, very much rooted in comedy. I yeah. mean, like, he's done The Heat, he's done Freaks and Geeks, you know what I mean? It's, 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 he's got a very... Bridesmaids. Very, Bridesmaids as well. He's got a very, very big po- comedy background. And I think he might have just found it a wee bit different. Maybe they do an action film. Now, maybe he's not a great... He might be very interested in action films but maybe he's not a great lover of them and he doesn't really have maybe a big understanding whereas Sean the Dead it was in, you know, no fucking there was no doubt whatsoever that Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright are gigantic zombie movie fans yeah. so they knew the sort of how a zombie film should be structured they knew all the troops and because they knew all the troops on how it should be structured they knew how to play in that they deliver comedy yeah. you know what I mean I think that's why it works a lot better whereas Spies, first and foremost, written to be a comedy film with the sort of action structure as, as an afterthought. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's why it's kind of weaker, I think. Aye, that's the, the the spy film is just the backdrop of it. Aye. Then they bring comedy to it. Precisely. Although, uh, another thing I would say about Spy is I honestly think that Jason Statham's character is one of the funniest characters <laughs> of last year. Because it's just him taking the absolute piss out of every role that he's ever done. Fair play to so too. So good. Like I've said, like, uh, that scene is one of my favourite scenes of last year where he's so stupid. He's this, like, 
ridiculously over the top spy and he thinks he's like James Bond-esque but he's an absolute fuck up <laughs> and he's got these other two spies taking the piss at him because they convince him but there's an actual fist-off machine like the fallen fist-off so <laughs> he says that I'll just go on there and they'll not even know who I am because I'll just use the fist-off machine they'll change my fist <laughs> 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 it's fucking so good come on Shan Stathen it up what? Stathen it up Shan come on you Stathen him up oh no, I, can't, line. I, I can't do that East End someone's gotta do it just wanna get that fucking face-off machine won't I? <laughs> <laughs> That's bridging on sort of Luther territory as well again. No far. <laughs> My copper, mate. My fucking copper. Shaq, <laughs> um, what did you watch this week? Spotlight, which is uh, just been released. And I genuinely think it's one of the greatest films this year, if not the best film of the year. I think it's one of the best films I've seen in the past five years. The year's only started. Hmm? The years oh, shit, that's it's technically 2016. <laughs> well, I meant 2015. Well, there you go. It definitely is the best film this year. Because I've only watched one film this year. Uh, unbelievable. It's uh, Tom McCurphy. I've seen all Tom McCurphy's films. He done, he, he done one one. He done The Station Agent, which you really liked. I, loved, I, I really liked The Station Agent. And he done The Visitor. And he also done The Cobbler with Adam Sandler, but we ignore that. Oh, was that him? That was him. I know what it baffles me because it's see, first. See when I seen the trailer for that though, it actually looked like it was going to be like a kind of nearly like comedy drama with yeah. Adam Sandler, and I was actually kind of excited about because Adam Sandler's a good dramatic actor. Yeah, it can I was be, like, yeah. I was like, oh, is Adam Sandler kind of taking someone a bit serious again? And then no, <laughs> I, I didn't understand that because The Visitor One One and The Station Nature are excellent films and all very distinct and, and McCurphy sort of style. He's got a, a very distinct sort of narrative that he writes. I mean. It's very much dramedy. Like, there's a lot of drama in there and really affecting drama. And he's been lucky with mm-hmm. the performances he's got. Like, Richard Jenkins and The Visitors, unbelievable. Peter Dinklage and The Station Agent is yeah, brilliant. Paul, Paul Giamatti on 1 1 is brilliant. But it's like, I don't know what happened with the cobbler. We'll just we'll write that off. The, <laughs> we'll write that off the payday or something. Like that. I don't know what happened. Maybe so it was that's how you much. got spotlight, mate. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how you got. I, I I genuinely don't know how you got the spotlight project after doing the fucking. Well, I suppose he, he kind of co wrote probably got the fun himself. But anyway, back to Spotlight. Uh, just been released. Unbelievable cast. It's a cast actors who absolutely love us. Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Stanley Tucci, an old oh. favourite of ours on here, Rachel McAdams, and John Slatterly, who's obviously uh, from Mad Men. You know what I mean? And Howard Stark from the Marvel Cinematic And Howard Stark before he turned into Dominic Cooper. Hold it off. Well, Dominic Cooper. Dominic Cooper turns into John Slattery. Ah, that's what it is. Because he's right. the older Howard Stark. The storyline, uh, it's based on actual events that happened with the Boston Globe in 2001-2002, is that uh, a new editor takes over the Boston Globe newspaper and Kenneth says that they should be focusing on this child sex abuse case within the Catholic Church. And it's essentially then just about these reporters, this team of reporters called Spotlight. It was like a, 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 it was like a feature in the Boston Globe. I think it is still a feature called Spotlight. They start investigating this case and then within a couple of weeks and over the course of all the research, they find out that it's not just one priest in Boston who's been abusing these kids. It's 87 of them. So it's like a fucking ridiculous... It's... What, what's the what's the word? It's like an epidemic. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like a fucking... It, it's, it's like a cultural epidemic that these priests have just got away with this abuse for decades. And it's fucking horrifying seeing them uncover it. The, the thing that they play really, really well in it is that because Boston is such a notoriously Irish Catholic city... It's even though they're uncovering these unbelievably bad crimes by the Catholic Church, they're almost a way, in a way, afraid to reveal it because they know that a lot of the people reject it because the Catholic Church essentially runs Boston, or they did run Boston at that time. Yeah. You really couldn't go against them because they had so much fucking sway and so much power. 
and it's it's just frightening that sort of cultural reaction because you would think oh jesus kids getting ripped that's awful let's fucking stop this but because the catholic church had this ability and this power over people's religious convictions that they wouldn't even say boo to them if they found it out they would just sweep it under the rug and the, the way they keep describing it in the film is that I can't remember the name of the actor, but the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese, the, the Boston Archdiocese has a PR man, and he keeps playing it that, oh, you know, we, we all know that, you know, a couple of priests have been, uh, you know, up this kind of thing, but it's just a few bad eggs, but then this is after Michael Keaton's character finds out that there's actually 87 of them, and he's like, no, it's not a couple of bad eggs, this is a serious fucking problem. I seen a, I seen a documentary once about a, like an Irish Catholic priest who was working in America. Mm. He had to move from Ireland because of it's like a documentary film. I can't remember the name. Eddie moved from his diocese in Dublin. Is this the Love Us from Evil or something? Could be. Because that, that's be. another documentary about and like they literally child just, sex abuse so the Catholic Church. His PR, as you're saying, his PR man was saying, oh, it's a few bad eggs. It's not the church. Mm-hmm. It was the church that was moving him around to different states because he couldn't be prosecuted in different states. This yeah. is a major point of the film that they, that they show is how the Catholic Church has not only known about this fucking institutionalized widespread abuse for years but how they've done nothing they punish their priests if anything they've actually given them promotions and stuff like which is just dumbfounding but they've moved them on how the spotlight team actually originally found out that there was so many priests and how they tried to narrow down the number to 87 is that they got i think that the uh the archdiocese of massachusetts release releases an encyclopedia of all the priests every single year and where that priest is stationed you know what what uh what parish they're in and all the ones that were on leave of absence or in treatment, this is even more fucked up. They find out during it that there's a such thing as a priest treatment centre. It's where they send the priests when they've been fucking caught being paedophiles. Treatment centres, like, it's fucking crazy. It's just this really sick sort of subculture that you you would never have thought it was that bad. Like, So picture being those people uncovering this, you know what yeah. I mean? But... Uh, just going actually to the film and not not just the narrative the great thing about it i think that it's one of those things that the story is that shocking all the more so because it's true and the story is that compelling that uh tom mccarthy does a really good job of just he trims all the fat there's nothing unnecessary in there there's and if any in all fairness i think if he had anything else that wasn't just focused on that narrative it would actually kind of be insulting to all the victims and the actual story itself but there's no unnecessary fucking side plots about uh no love story. No love story, or like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or no, like they they mention a couple of times that one of the reporters, Mark Ruffalo, has marriages under strain, but you never see his wife once. They just mention that. Now, in any other director science, they might have actually done this whole subplot about him and the wife mm-hmm. and stuff, but it really wouldn't have fitted. They should be totally and utterly about this unbelievable kiss, you know, that that only happened recently. It's very rooted as well in sort of modern history because whilst they were doing the investigation, nine eleven happened. And because 9-11 happened, that took all the reporters' focus off the priests. And they had to obviously focus on 9-11 and Al-Qaeda and the attacks and stuff. And there's even this kind of weird thing that they went. They originally released the story in December 2001. But they chose to hold it off to the new year because they didn't think that the people of America would be able to handle this. The Christmas, you know, just after 9-11. So it, it, it does that as well, kind of contemporizing it and, and, and putting it on the... Your sort of modern history because you we all remember that history because it's the times yeah. that we grew up like you know what i mean but aside from that two excellent performances another good thing is that even though you've got such a stellar cast and you know ruffalo stanley tucci rachel mcadams michael keaton none of them overpower the other one they all have their sh- slight wee moments they shame but nobody grandstands or nobody fucking steals it away from anybody else they're 
fantastic ensemble. And then the film ends. This isn't... It's not a spoiler whatsoever, but when the, the film cuts day black, there's some text after, and the text just basically says that, you know, this is kind of like a widespread epidemic, mm-hmm. and then it just says, here's a list of all the parishes in the world that uh, major child sex abuse scandals have happened, and it's just over silence just this white text lust after lust after lust of dioceses that have committed child sex and i had not heard of one of them and it just shows how much they kind of brush on the table you know what i mean i mean it's the whole world over the whole world was there any no there's not i actually paused it a couple because there's honestly there's that many there's honestly christ over a hundred names so and it's you know kind of it's cutting every five seconds, so you don't get a time to read them all. I did see two in Ireland there. Some place called Lotta, and I think the other place is Wexford or something like that. But uh, don't quote me on that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that's just me throwing it out there. We're going to get some hate, maybe. Uh, one of the places was definitely Lotta, though. <laughs> but uh, I was pausing it to see, but not there. It's not in there. But at the same time, that's that's besides the point. It's unbelievable film. You know, it's one of those films as well that, and it's the same with all Tom McCarvey's films. There's no real directorial flourishes there's no kind of mm. overly pepper dialogue you know there's no one standout scene it's just an amazing story with really really good performances and it's just handled in such a good way but honestly see it because after seeing it yesterday it was released in the states in 2015 for me it's the best film of last year that i've seen and more likely will be nominated and hopefully sweep a lot of goddamn oscars even though it doesn't really mean anything but still i would like to see it appreciated Tom McCarthy is also the journalist from the fifth series of The Wire. He is indeed the really snotty fucking journalist that the he does about Makes acting. up shit. Yeah. Bastard. <laughs> uh, what I watched this week was um, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just before you go on, I want to give a backstory to this. <laughs> uh, me and Mickey have constantly been saying for weeks that we're starting to rub off on each other. Like, how's the love of Star Wars starting to rub off on me? And my love of Kurt Russell starting to rub off on him. <laughs> but we've had a discussion. Mickey asked me to send him a list weeks ago of John Carpenter films because you thought that you hadn't seen any. I know. Well, I, it's one of them ones where it's like Lethal Weapon all over again. I'm pretty sure I've seen a few of them, but I don't really remember any of them. Yeah. Had you, well, in hindsight, now after you watched Big Trouble last night, had you seen it before? No, I, I knew I had seen Big Trouble before because I'm, I'm always minded the wee end bit with. Your boy in the back is Laurie. Hanging on, uh, hanging off the back of Laurie. Just <laughs> we, we, we go over it, no. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know, I definitely remember that air bit. And so I knew I had seen it before, but I didn't really remember much else about it, to be honest with you. I minded your bo- your boys with the big hats, with the electric. Badasses. But is that, did that inspire Mortal Kombat? Apparently or was Mortal so. Kombat before that? Apparently so, but in fairness, I mean, the, the, there's so many old sort of Asian kung fu films where there's characters with those sorts of hats, but maybe that brought it more into the sort of popular culture, you know what I mean? Mm. But where's Mortal Kombat made? Is it Asia or is it America? Oh, I can tell you. Okay. I used, to, I used to buy the Pogs, but that's about all I know. The Pogs? They did, yeah, oh, Mortal Kombat Pogs. What? Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Mortal Kombat was like fucking one of my favourite games though, Wayne. I love Pogs as well. You got with them. What? I did not know. Do you still have them? Can I have them? They're probably in my granny's attic. Yeah. <laughs> there's that, enough that. everyone can have 500 each if they're all still there <laughs> he was your favourite Mortal Kombat character do it as a giveaway uh, I've, I have no idea I just like Pogs uh, okay. <laughs> who's, who's, who's your favourite Mortal Kombat character 
It's gotta be a reptile or sub zero. Has to be one of the ninjas. What do you call the guy? Because I, I, like, I always, I always, I always like Raiden. He can disappear. Is that not Raiden? He can teleport uh, and stuff, can't yeah. he? Uh, that's him. Right. I dressed up as sub zero for Halloween a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago. A couple, a couple of months years ago. ago. <laughs> 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 I know it's pretty good. And uh, my yeah, sub zero was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Paul. The, I think that's the only compliment you've ever given me in my life. It's bullshit. <laughs> it really isn't. You, you would have got one this year if you did your Monopoly Man idea. Ah, that, that was far too much work, though. I was going to do the Monopoly Man, whose actual name apparently is not Mr. Monopoly, but Rich Uncle Pennybags. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> this is how much research I put on this character. I had the suit, right? <laughs> the suit was sorted. But I've seen this how-to video online of how to make like, a big paper mache head. But like oh. I, had, I had the idea far too late, and it was only like two like weeks. Frank they had... or something like they like. Aye, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly like the fallen Frank. It was this big paper mache, uh, Mister. I just call Mister. Monopoly for handing us Mister. Monopoly head, and I was like, "Fuck, that looks absolutely amazing. I could definitely do that because I've done a bit of paper mache before when I was like six. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> I was so <laughs> I'm a professional paper mache. No, I got this. <laughs> my teacher did it, but it was good. <laughs> but I was like, I could definitely do it. I put my head or put my mind it. But uh, put my head, head there, <laughs> put my head on his head. But uh, I was watching these how-to videos, and this boy was fucking super talented. And then that kind of put me off because I was like, I do not have this man's talent. <laughs> but then, even though this boy was super talented and does fucking paper machine flat out, apparently that head took him three weeks. <laughs> and I was like, right, it's two weeks to Halloween. I'll do something else. So, but, but no, but the clincher for that costume was your your idea that you told me that because uh, we we had tickets to go to like a Halloween thing. Just it, it just what what is it? An old Halloween like, ball, old, it's called old library or something. Yeah, it's an old, it it's like, like it's a like glassworks. glassworks? Uh, glassworks. Yeah. Oh, it's in the name, Mickey. It was a glassworks. Oh, but it used to be a library <laughs> then. After was it? Like Aye, it was used to be a library. Really? I think so. No, okay, I'm enough. pretty sure. I'm not. It was a foreign language school too. Versatile Bolton. It's also a Halloween ball, but uh, <laughs> no, but. You going out in the dance floor and just making it rain, Monopoly money. Oh, <laughs> so oh, did that? No, me, me, year. me idea, me idea was they have this big fucking sack of dollar bills <laughs> and just start fucking Monopoly money everywhere. That would have been just making it rain. That would have been classic. You would have been king of Halloween. I would have been. I, I would have oh. been. You really would have been. It would have been people grabbing it like confetti at a concert. Like oh. I would have been like Doctor Dre. <laughs> 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 Swear to God, nah, definitely next year. You can help me. You've got art skills. I will one hundred percent help you. You can help me pepper my share head. As long as you let me help throw out some of your money, I'll dress up as the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Not the thumble. I always like the thumble. Like thumb. Don't be the car. Be the Rolls Royce, okay. on, please. We'll start out. We'll Group costume. Monopoly. Big time. Which is everybody. Is Someone can be a dice. Whoever <laughs> 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 gets that bored as fuck. <laughs> oh, some, somebody could properly be the, the boy that says go to jail. Just have, oh. to, have to point all night. <laughs> like a copper. Like a kind of, like a jail. And then a speech bubble. <laughs> or you know, you could just do the board. Right, anyway. We're, right, sorry. We're thinking about Halloween 2016. It's fucking January 2nd. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, no, but you could do each part of the board and we all just stand next to each other all night. <laughs> <laughs> but then we can't make friends. What happens if we have to go to the toilet? We or go to the bar? Collectively go to the We don't need any more friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. I've made my friends now. We're you know good. Right? I'm done for life. <laughs> I'm too much of a bitch. No one likes me anymore. Uh, I'll die alone. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone, you mama. No, but he'll, he'll drive Are you talking away. about me? Definitely. <laughs> 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 Big trouble in little China. Big trouble in little China. <laughs> I know I really enjoyed it. I, I kind of enjoyed it more than what I thought. I don't know why. Oh, it's John Carpenter and Carl Wilson. I know it's just because you're so up John Carpenter's hole. <laughs> I can never ever bring him up. 
I know, but I actually really enjoyed it. And because y- y- I told Shannon I was watching it and he texted me, Oh, this film will make you love Kurt Russell. And it did make me love Kurt Russell. He's so good, man. He's class in it. Like, and just his whole character is just amazing. He's, he's, so, just, good. he's so funny. And just the way he goes on, like on the walkie talkie, he's like, Well, what? Old Jack Burton does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's like he thinks he's John Wayne, but he's not. Uh, he's the anti John Wayne, like. I uh, cause like when he f- first goes, he should have gone, and the safety's on, <laughs> and then he shoots away, and the boys all. Is that the first time you shot somebody? He's like, no. <laughs> it's, but then he starts repeating stuff. It's like the big Lebowski. He starts repeating stuff that people said to him earlier as well. <laughs> he make it sound like he knows what he's on about. <laughs> but no, he's. And even when he, he kisses Kim Cattrall for the first time, and then he goes in and he has lipstick on his face. <laughs> so when he goes under the big scratch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's really, it's, it's, it just was really funny. And uh, something you said about Spotlight, that there's there's no kind of uh, fat there. Like, yeah. everything's there for a reason. I kind of made me think, is that why John Carpenter's films are, like, they're normally about an hour and a half. Like, hour is, half, is like, it an hour 40 now? I think it's near enough his longest film, like one of his longest films. Anyway. But every everything in there is either like pushing the plot forward or is giving you some. It's uh, everything's there for a reason. Like there's nothing unnecessary. There's no unnecessary subplots or characters that don't need to be there. Yeah, like and even for a film that's kind of as out there as Big Trouble in Little yeah. China and how mental it is, it's all there for a purpose. Like yeah. it's not just it's not just being wacky to be wacky. You know what I mean? Exactly. It actually has a point. And then I mean again, it's that sort of thing we genre mashup because that's sort of like you know supernatural film and then it's kung fu film and then it's comedy film and it's just everything fucked on the one that just works perfectly too and funny enough it made me want to dress up as jack burton for <laughs> get the wee vest on i could i could definitely rock his hair ah, that, that, that that's going. what i was confident about i could do his hair probably not the rest of it <laughs> yeah it's obscene he's not getting in shape like. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get the hair down the hair down yeah yeah, that's people a, get it. That's yeah, people okay. know. <laughs> people know what you're doing. If I get the hair right and the boots right, people know. We're fucking obsessed with Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just about to say, you know, it's uh, New Year's in Derry when we're talking about Halloween. <laughs> 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 it's ten months away. Like <laughs> that's. To be fair, if it took your man three weeks to make that head. I should, probably start, I should probably start that yeah. head tomorrow. <laughs> if we're going to make the world's biggest Halloween costume in a Monopoly board, we need to get started. Yeah, yeah. we do need to get started. Like, right now, it's to, press stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> you could probably do, like, the world's biggest costume, like, out in the guilt hall or something. Just everybody. People a do commu- do records, a communal, you know? Yeah. Like, we had all the the most Santas or something a few years ago. And yeah, that's we had boring. Yeah. Sorry, but, like. Aye. If you had the biggest costume of a Monopoly board. Because ev- if it's one big thing, but everybody's in it. How many, how many like, um, $1 bills, $10 bills, 20 <laughs> You have to get, like, the right amount. Like, people are dressed up as ones, fives, tens. <laughs> like, so that, that'll end up being, like, board. Alice in Wonderland or something with Has the cards. Has anyone card. done that before? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's impossible. <laughs> well, it's not impossible. Just a lot of organization that we don't know. Yeah, it's not even that. There's more so just the effort. <laughs> yeah, people people put a lot of effort, and we're all talking no smell, like you know. I mean, I might be saying farting no smell. Else, someone yeah. else can do the work. Yeah, no. ah, exactly. Yeah, you talk a good game. We're, we're just the ideas, man. <laughs> I would like. We're, we're the Halloween think tank. That's all we are. <laughs> yeah. I would make human-sized money costumes. I could do that. Could you? 
Pieces of paper. Just stack a piece of paper on top of it. Just stack A4 pages, sell it to the gallery, and paint the green. Not even putting any detail on there. Just. <laughs> oh no, I would have to add detail. Yeah. But uh, back to Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, no, just there was there was a line in it that made me think of something that recently I don't know if you heard that Kurt Russell's being eyed up to be Chris Pratt's dad in Guardians of the Galaxy Two. That'd be so good. But there, there's a, there's a line in Big Trouble in Little China where Kurt Russell's like giving his whole well what what old Jack Burton says. He like one of the guys he's fighting, and they're all who's Jack Burton? He's all. Me, <laughs> and it reminded me from Guardians of the Galaxy where he's all Star Lord. He's like, who? He's like, Star Lord, man, the legendary outlaw. <laughs> and, like, and it just, and if he actually turned out to be his dad, it would be funny that they both had that kind of weak quip. They have that same sort of charisma, the same sort of stupid humor as well. And I think they actually, in a way, that you could believe that they were following something. Kind of look like that kind of big bulky rogue. Does the age work out? What age, Chris Pratt? I definitely have well, Kurt Russell's 65 like. Is he 65? Yeah, I, I, I see him being interviewed already Born on Paddy's too, do you? Yes Kind of that But uh, yeah, no it just uh, That, that kind of stuck out for me That it would be funny If he turned out to be there Yeah, well I mean like It's, it's, it's Annie is Jack Burton <laughs> Have you ever seen Big Trouble in Little China? I've never seen it oh, It's just been added to Netflix That's the reason you watch it Yeah then? Well, watch it tomorrow I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it Get on that I know, I, I, I love to see what all her Films of John Carpenter. It's only on Starman Netflix. on there. No, Starman's on there. Ghosts of Mars. Oh no, don't. <laughs> and there's a there's another like 1988, 1998 one. What would that be? Oh, is it vampires? Aye, vampires. Oh, don't yeah. they? Aye, we, see, uh, just see John Carpenter after nineteen ninety five. Doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> what was his last good film? Then? Oh, well, was, was what year? Probably was in big, the big in trouble in the, China. Well, that's nineteen eighty six, I think. All right, what was ninety five? then? 90 f- um, I think it's in the mouth of madness. It might even actually it might even be ninety four. So post ninety four, he didn't really make that many films after ninety four. Like I mean, he's made Ghost of Mars, horrendous. Ice Cube on Mars. That, that's that, that all. sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely what? awful. Well, they'd have found water on Mars, maybe. <laughs> uh, <my> <laughs> topical joke. Uh, it's not even one. that topical. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that was months ago. <laughs> but uh, his last film in the release because after Ghost of Mars, he kind of went under like a semi retirement. He released a horror film called The Ward about two years ago and it wasn't really good or it wasn't really bad it was just mediocre I think the most disappointing thing about The Ward was that it just doesn't even seem like a John Carpenter film when you're watching a John Carpenter film him being an alter for want of a better word you know it's one of his films yeah. but that just seemed like your ultimate conveyor belt fucking you know mental asylum film that you've seen so many times before I think he just kind of I think Ghost of Mars took the heart out of him like. maybe he just needed a wee cash injection Possibly as well. <laughs> I, maybe all them interviews are starting to run M- out. Like, and beers don't pay for themselves. Like. <laughs> Although he's still making mad royalties off, like fucking the Halloween reboots and stuff like that. Aye. And now, sure, like they Aye, they're they, thinking about Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, and right? they remade the thing, and they remade the fog, and now they're doing Big Trouble in Little China. So he's probably fucking loving off that dollar. I know, because that that was an interesting <laughs> thing. They watch it as well, knowing that The Rock is going to be doing a remake of it. Has that been confirmed? Has I it been confirmed? It's The Rock. I, yeah, I remember I think so, I the last time we were talking, I remember they were speculating that it might be. I think that would be... See, Karen was not it. I'm on that. Like, I think because I think that Big Trouble in Little China is that sort of mental, as you're saying. It's that much a genre mashup, and it's just a lot of fun. The way The Rock on there, he has you know just as much charisma as Kurt Russell. He can be just as funny. I think he'd work perfect. And I mean, especially if he brought that pain and gain sort of 
personality. That's, that's, that's exactly yeah. what I thought when I was thinking about it. Because I think The Rock could definitely play that character. Oh, and and that you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to bring up him and Pain and Game because I think that might have been might be my favorite performance from The Rock because mm. he's he's so good in Pain and Game and he's so funny and he's he's just so lovable even though that he's like a cocaine addict. <laughs> and stuff. He's I think he's class in that film, but uh, I think he could he could pl- be the character or play the character, but. I wouldn't like them. De- I wouldn't like them to see. Do let me get my words. I wouldn't like them. I wouldn't like to see them do the same story. That's what I'm trying yes. to say. Because I think they they could tell an, another story, kind of set in Chinatown, and that kind of fantasy mystical element yeah. still in there, but not the exact same story. Ah, exactly. Because I mean, I think that the story is that sort of out there anyway. That it doesn't have to be the exact same. Because I mean, I think the story is that out there that. Just to do it again would seem a wee bit lazy. Yeah. You know, try and be a wee bit creative. You can have the same structure and you can have the same character in Jack Burton who's just as stupid, but you don't want like a, a shot for shot remake. I think that Big Trouble in Little China has one of those strengths that it can be not only remade, but it can definitely be reinterpreted. There's some classics yeah. that can't be reinterpreted. It just has to be that story. But I don't think Big Trouble in Little China is one of those things because it is... Well, the original was so creative and, and done so many different things. Like, and that's, I mean? that's the kind of thing with all John Carpenter films as well. Like, like, like the Halloween remakes aren't really remakes, are they? They're more of a reinterpreting of uh, Halloween. The Rob Zombie ones, yeah. yeah, they are. And uh, I don't know, have you have you seen the Thing remake? I didn't see the Thing, but I know that they tried to change it a wee bit, and I haven't seen the Fog. I just I didn't watch the Thing of the Fog remix because I just heard they were horrendous, and I had no interest. I think that John Carpenter did the Fog. He did the Fog as well, yes, indeed. The Thing in the Fog. The Thing in the Fog. <laughs> <laughs> What's that thing in the fog? <laughs> It's John Carpenter all <laughs> <laughs> You know what I always get confused by? Because I, I always get confused when the, the fog and the mist. Ah, yes. that's the Frank Darabout that's one. That's the Frank Darabout one, I. Mm. The fog's a superior film. I think the mist is a bit overrated. Like, it, it gets lauded a lot. There's a lot of tension, I building up. Have you seen the, the mist? About the, the people trapped inside the supermarket and this mist sets down and then any time somebody goes out of the supermarket, they get ripped away by, well, you can't see it. It's hiding in the, in the mist. mist. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. Well, it's well, it's, it's or not. Is that fog? What's the difference? Between I don't know. What's the difference fog? between fog and mist? Well, what's the difference between the fog and the mist? The films, like what's in the fog? The fog is uh, zombie pirates. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why have I not seen that? But does does the fog do anything to you, or is it people hiding in the fog? No, the the fog is just like a symbol that the zombie pirates are coming for. Sounds ridiculous. John Carpenter makes it work. Their breath. Yeah, it's uh, it preludes them. <laughs> just uh, represents their dark aura. <laughs> <laughs> your aura's purple. <laughs> <laughs> what color would your aura be? I don't know. Can you see it? Can you read I those just radiates off you. What color? Black, like Black. your heart. <laughs> I thought it was invisible. I would say a deep red. Really? Deep red for me. Yeah. Uh, no, mostly because of that jumper you're wearing, but. <laughs> It's a burgundy. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I was trying to think that look, it was either burgundy or maroon, but what's maroon? Oh, is maroon and burgundy not the same like color? That. Yeah. Well, they're the not the same color. I, I mean, I think it's all down to where you buy your paint. Let's yeah. get back to the real argument, and listeners, please write in if you know this answer. But what is the difference between mist and fog? Um, I think fog is heavier, like thicker. Yeah, I think so. Mist is no, but uh, mist can be pretty thick, man. That can be pretty deep. The Scottish even have another word for fog, which just confuses us even more. Har. Har? Har? The Scottish har. 
It's another name for fog. Oh, really? I know it's smog. Is but it's apparently, smoke and fog. Yeah, but that's that's fine. We can understand. We that know. We? we all know that from Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and the Hobbit. Smog. But anyway, back to Little Chinny. You've anything else to say about it? Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it makes me want to go back and watch more John Carpenter. Good, films. that is the Yay. exact answer because I was about to say to you that you know you have to watch all of his films. I might whack on Skip New York. Yes, sometime watch all of John Carpenter's films. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Pre-1994, though. <laughs> <laughs> Which oddly, that's almost like Netflix insulting you, really, on the. Because they, they don't they got, have anything. They got four John Carpenter films, and fair enough, two of them are pre-1994, and the other two are probably his worst. Netflix, did oh, you what, hear I, that? Starman? Yeah. What, what's that like, Starman? Starman's brilliant, and that's... Do you know what, though? See, we're trying to get in the Carpenter sort of style. Starman's not the one they watch, because Starman is notable for being, like, a major departure from his usual sort of aesthetic. It's, like, his latest film. It's almost like... It's like a, a PG film. It's Jeff Bridges, who got Oscar nominated for it, but it literally is about Jeff Bridges coming from space and like being on earth is Bowie in it uh, no Bowie's not on it no but does the song play there I can't remember I've watched it in years I'd be surprised if it wasn't like you know what I mean but uh, it's Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen and it's just a very light nice wee drama film about him adjusting the life and stuff like that but it's very very on John Carpenter so like like it's an oldie time version of K-Pax I do know what it's like (laughs) which is an all good film with Jeff Bridges I've never made that association I've never made that association that Jeff Bridges is fucking gay backs as well. I mean, he's not dating him. No, he's not dating from him. Earth? He, Jeff Bridges? I might think so. That's that. That's actually one of the few things I like from Tron Legacy that he's essentially... I Tron, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bridges played an alien a lot. Well, no, he's not I suppose he's Tron not Legacy. Kevin Flynn, isn't an alien? But uh, no, in Tron Legacy, like he's essentially playing the dude. But... Yeah. Uh, they're they're like saying about everything that's going wrong. He's all you're ruining my my vibe, man, or something, <laughs> or like my zen thing, man. He says that it's like you're ruining my zen thing, man. You can just patch him on the what do you call him, the light cycle? Uh, <laughs> patch him on a light cycle, where we might rush him. Hey, be just on. fucking cruising. Like. <laughs> <sighs> okay, and we shall move on to. That 
Eva just actually made she made a wee excited eek because <laughs> the suspense was killing her when you, you left that topics hanging on there she went that <laughs> was a terrible it was her the fucking dog <laughs> it's gonna get longer and longer every week <laughs> I can't handle it um my topic I wanted to talk uh, about casting and films okay but I have a specific kind of question, but we can go more general and they just casting things. Because uh, I just had a thought like a few weeks ago. And it's it's funny we were talking about the casting Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and how that just kind of lined up with what he had done previously and stuff. Do you think when they're casting like big roles, like comic book roles, or even like so- some like Star Wars, like big franchise roles, do you think... It's not necessarily about how great the actor is, but also how personable and how nice they are as a person. So, like, the audience can like them as well as their portrayal of the character. I think it depends on the actual character. For that one, for uh, Kurt Russell to be Chris Pratt's dad in Guardians of the Galaxy, I definitely, I think Kurt Russell's a, a very likable, got that sort of... I'm not comparing him to Paul Newman. He's got that Paul Newman-esque kind of easygoing charisma about him and stuff he got, much like Chris Pratt has too in spades. But I think it's totally dependent on the character because even the contrast that was on, I think if you look at the casting of, and it's on, I think we talked about a few weeks back, the, the casting of Daisy Ridley and John Boyega for The Force Awakens, two pretty much completely unknown actors for two gigantic roles in probably the biggest franchise that, that there is. I think that was... Obviously, they have acting talent, and from that film, they're, they're obviously very, very good actors, but it's more, I think, about, it's it's all they say, but the look, you know, the, the certain look that somebody is, because you can sort of mask, you can do a lot of stuff to mask a limited actor, or yeah. a limited performer. Like, it, it, the, the perfect example, look at any action hero of the 1980s. Sylvester Stallone, limited enough actor. Arnie, limited actor. Bruce Wallace, half-decent actor. You know what I mean? But it was all about the look and the sort of image that they portrayed. Or even go back to Guardians of the Galaxy and Dave Bautista. Like yeah. he, he says himself, he isn't an actor, but yeah. he's happy to, to be a part of this thing. Like. Yeah. And he's a limited actor, but I think it's the sort of same thing with Arnie and Terminator. I think his role kind of lends itself to him Aye. being a bad actor because he's supposed to be an alien who doesn't know how to interact with people. Aye, has, and he's ultra-literate. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Has, you know, or literal, kinda, not literate. <laughs> literate. <laughs> Shakespeare just. Yeah. I, th- I think a while that it comes down to luck, it's totally dependent. I think it's totally dependent on what type of film that you're trying to make. You know what I mean? I think if you're doing an action film and you want a big, you say muscle bound or, or sort of cool, suave action hero, then you're you're going to cast based on looks and that acting ability. You you're not going to get fucking Stanley Tucci doing an, the next fucking crime blockbuster or something like that. You know what I yeah. mean? What? Well, no. What what kind of made me think about it? And I have two examples of this. That one. It goes and they actually TV, and it was uh, Benedict Cumberbatch talking about was he ever up to play the Doctor in Doctor Who? Because when when he did Sherlock and stuff, like rumors came. Or I don't know if they were rumors or if they were true, but came out that he was actually up to be the Doctor at one point. And he said, he said that when you take on being the Doctor, you're not just taking on the role of the Doctor. You have to be the Doctor 
all the time. All the time, twenty four seven. Like, for like, if you see a kid out yeah. in the street and they're all, that's the doctor. You know, <laughs> you have to be the doctor twenty four seven. You have to live that character. Back to him. And uh, another one is uh, when Ben Affleck was announced as Batman. Not that he has to be Batman all the time, <laughs> but uh, I guarantee he wishes. He was. <laughs> <laughs> I has a Batcave and everything, doesn't he? <laughs> but uh, no, but they they were saying to him like we know people aren't going to like you as Batman. There's going to be an ultimate backlash, yeah. but there always is when you announce like a, a backlash. You would a say. Bat- <laughs> yeah. But so people have these expectations. On this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but people have these expectations of these big characters and there's, there's certain things you need to do in your personal life to actually be able to just play a character and it bleeds more into your life. So yeah. it, I was just thinking, does, if someone likes like Joaquin Phoenix was up to play Doctor Strange, was he? That would have been very interesting. Yeah, you see, and him playing just that character, it's very interesting. But him being a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it it wouldn't work for him as what he wants to do as an actor. He just yeah. wants to play a role. Yeah. He doesn't want to be Doctor Strange for the next ten years. I don't you know think I mean? as well that obviously Joaquin Phoenix doesn't really have an interest, and it's it's awfully animated soon about pretentious but i know that a lot of people would have this opinion that comic book films aren't really seen as high art you know what i mean they're seen as yeah. whereas i think joaquin phoenix is more and not for the art in a way he's more on these sort of lower budget you know and these and stuff like that where he can actually show off his talent whereas Aye, but he, he, even if dr strange is like a like a really deep character or whatever and it wouldn't just be a one and done film he mm-hmm. has to be dr strange for the next 10 years or whatever yeah. so it it's, I just find it interesting that it's down to the actual kind of person that an actor is as well. Oh, why? Rather than just taking on a role. Maybe I misunderstood them when you first brought it up. I thought. Well, no, I, I, I think we can. It, I was asking both questions, yeah. really, because I, I was interested as well that if you do look at all the actors that are playing like Marvel characters, they are all really nice and friendly and people do like Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Pratt. They're all really charismatic and really yeah. just like you like them as people. Like I love Chris Pratt. Like I love like watching him in interviews. He's really funny and stuff. And I mean like I don't think just you bringing that up. I don't think it's any coincidence that that's why Edward Norton got the boot. You know what I mean? Because Edward Norton is kind of notorious for being a wee bit more introverted. He hits the celebrity lifestyle. He, he's uh, quite difficult to work with. He kind of overwrites or overrides the writer at times and yeah. tries to write his own films and it's no coincidence that he was replaced as the Hulk and wasn't on the Avengers whereas and they got Mark Ruffalo who's kind of personality wise the polar opposite they were Norton aye but he he's, he's he wouldn't be as extrovert as the rest of them but he's still he's still he still he seems really nice yeah. and you can you can like there's a likeability factor there mm. which I think is what I'm kind of getting down I mean, to obviously in acting circles I think like in any uh, professional circles in the world you know be it if you work in an office if you work in a factory i think if, if there's a team of people working together and you're looking for somebody else to come in and do a job like an actor then it's totally based on on reputation as well i mean obviously if, if say if you're edward norton i'm not saying if this is true but this is the reputation that he had anyway in hollywood was and he kind of took the piss at it in birdman Aye. you know what i mean is that he had this reputation of being really difficult to work with and quite obnoxious, and as I say, like trying to write his own scenes and not listening to directors and stuff like that. If you hear that about someone and you're trying to have a nice, easy production, you want everything to run smoothly, and that's going to not come off your list straight away, you know what I mean? Whereas if you hear of an actor who is, you know, say just as talented as Edward Norton, be it Mark Ruffalo or, or, or be it someone else, and not only has he got the talent he can deliver the performance you're looking for, but is also sound, is also really easy to get on with, and obviously you're, you're going to look at him you know what yeah. i mean obviously you're going to look at him first i think just 
that whole personality thing that you're talking about, I think I just bleed somebody everyday life in general. You know what I mean? I think it's just something that you prefer. Like sometimes maybe you're looking to go about weird with. Maybe sometimes you're looking to go about introvert. Like Daniel Day Lewis is seen as maybe one of the best actors, if not the best actor ever. But apparently when he's on set he's a nightmare. But you'll happily overlook that because you know for a fact you're gonna get one of the best performances, if not the best performance possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's totally I don't know, it's a kind of balancing act that's totally dependent on what you're looking for too. You know, what the finished product will be. Uh, like if if you're but uh, <clears throat> like going back to suppose if you're looking for a hero that everybody needs to get behind, like you want that kind of like a likable person, and that's I think that's where it bleeds. And they you see them in interviews and stuff, and they're really funny and stuff. Like Daniel Day Lewis should have been Iron Man. <laughs> you, I, you know what would scare me actually if Daniel Day Lewis actually got the role Tony Stark, he would be probably trying to fucking cut his own heart out or something, <laughs> <laughs> building the suit himself. <laughs> Out of fucking wood. As we guys don't know what wood. But that uh, I would actually love to see Diane Day Lewis in like a comic book film. Uh, like obviously it would need to be like a one and done kind of like he could be a yeah. villain for one film or something because he would never sign on to do multiple. Never do it. I know, but it. imagine you got like, like would you say you would never like if you look at some of the big actors they have gotten in Marvel films? You know, you have Anthony Hopkins. You have. Ah, but Ta- this is Tom this is Daniel Day Lewis. Like you know what I mean? Right. Well, who who's just below Diane Day Lewis? I'm not. I'm not saying there's any sort of hierarchy. Obviously, there's, I know. There's, I know. There's I, actors I know. Who, are, who are talented, but it's just no one. Daniel Day Lewis's own. As if I fuck, I'm on the phone to him all the time. But just knowing what the sort of actor and the sort of roles he chooses, you know for a fact they would. I know. I, I know he would never do it, but I think it would be class if it, they could. All, all joking aside, I thought he would have been the almost perfect Doctor Strange. Because he is so strange. Because, <laughs> because I mean, Doctor Strange is supposed to be a ridiculously dark and introverted character, and don't get me wrong, Benedict Cumberbatch can do that. No bar whatsoever. Did you see the pictures that came out? out I've seen the picture that came out. It's kind of weird, though, because he does look like him, and the, the suit looks apart, but then he's just standing in front of this white background. <laughs> just like really it's like he's standing in a fucking photography studio or something like that. I don't know. I know. It's, I it's like spiced up the background a bit. No, but, like, every, everything looks right, as you said, but then it is just Benedict Cumberbatch's face. Uh, <laughs> it's just a bit weird. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, it just changed the face. Near yeah, it's like somebody landed around just fucking tucked those photos in this garage or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck's sake. It's the first production shot you're going to see. At least try and make it a bit enticing especially when Doctor uh, Strange is probably in all fairness Marvel are masters at this because they've had to do it so many times but, but uh, I think Doctor Strange is their biggest sell yet because um, except I would say die hard comic book fans or not die hard comic book fans but comic book fans who are at least on the know popular conscious wise I don't think anybody knows about Doctor Strange but, they, but they've had this the last couple of years I mean they had that's it with, saying, no, with, mas- Guardi- with Guardians and they had it with Ant-Man precisely that's what I'm saying they're, they're masters of doing yeah. it like, so I have no worries if they haven't introduced them but I do think that Ant-Man is at least comedic Guardians of the Galaxy is comedic Doctor Strange is comedic whatsoever yeah, yeah, he's, he's, I, they have a horror director doing it like, that's yeah. a horror director who is it is it James Wan is it again doing it no it's the boy at the Sinister is it uh, is that not James Wan no maybe it's not Sinister Insidious ah shit I forget his name he is good though I know his name. Anyway, Kiva, do you have anything to say on casting? Well, I mean, I, I kind of get what you were both saying. We're all kind of s- on the same page there about the kinds of film. Mm. So it depends on the kinds of film and the kind of actor. But I think a point that I was thinking about was, yeah, you, you were talking about interviews, but these days, like, a load of celebrities or especially actors not especially but definitely so everyone has their own twitter feed 
their own Snapchat, their own everything. And if if that's another rate like likability factor that's going to rate Damn. your film a bit better, then I definitely think it's probably something that people look at when they're casting. Yeah, it goes on that ultrasonic thing too. Is of <laughs> it is that ultrasonic thing like the machine is hearing as they call it? Is that you know? Are they actually that nice? Are they all these interviews not like really fucking pre-scripted, or is it not just because they are professional actors, so they can Aye. obviously act nice when they want to? <laughs> but I suppose that that kind of goes out the window. But you just is, you'll is, never is, know. But Chad, isn't that the ultimate role? Putting on a smile every day. <laughs> like in in an interview, yeah, you can act and 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 stuff, and then it's important to remember too that a lot of these Twitter feeds and Facebook pages. They're, it's not the it's actual. Not them, yeah. It's not yeah, it's that not person. Them, it's their like PR team. Like yeah, it's their peeps. So I mean, it's is it whether they're nice or whether they're willing to let someone be nice, be nice on their behalf? Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people would be all, "No, you, you can't pretend to be me and say these things." And some people would be like, "Yeah, no, it's, it's like fine. I say." I uh, heard an interview with Tom Hanks, and he was doing you know an AMA on Reddit, and the way they were going to do it is just they tell him the questions and he says his answer and then somebody was going to type it up for him and he was all no I want to type it like like yeah. I'll, I'll type it up like it's great so then they had to get like a whole different computer and all because he wanted a Mac like he didn't want to use a PC <laughs> or so so it took it what a diva I know Tom likes to be a diva not even that but in fairness it'd be funnier it'd... if he had to use a typewriter or something because <laughs> he's really anti typewriter carrier pigeon or something <laughs> like but like I'm, I, I that's sort of 50-50 because again it just shows the fact that Tom Hanks wanted to do himself that's why he kind of gets the label the nicest man in Hollywood like you know he what I mean nicest man. and he's your favourite person is he not he's just so lovely he is he's yeah. just he can't help but like we watched that I mate. really 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 like him <laughs> <laughs> I like it because uh, even me and my granda were sitting yesterday New Year's Day just had the dinner New Year's Day dinner and we're fuck just really bloated laying on the sofa and the terminal came on and my granddad like doesn't really like films that have been made after like 1955 or don't star John Wayne <laughs> so <laughs> we were uh, we were sitting watching the terminal but for whatever reason even he loves Tom Hanks like he used to my granddad like used to have You've Got Mail on DVD <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> like, what the fuck is that about but he's like oh, man he, my granddad lets on he doesn't know people's names he knows his name like everyone knows Tom Hanks he's like your man Hanks or something like that there I was like you know just tell me you know but the terminal's fucking ultra cheesy it'd be, it'd be weirder though if he's like oh that's your man and then make like some obscure reference like oh that's your man from the burbs there <laughs> <laughs> uh back to what we we're talking about uh insidious was james Wan. yeah uh, sinister was scott derrickson scott erickson derrickson derrickson who's directing doctor strange nice one sinister's really underrated as well but anyway moving on i know it's just we we got them mixed up um I well, is there anything else you want to say about cats? I just I thought it'd be an interesting kind of thing to talk about. I think it's definitely one of those things that you could you could lovely talk about it all day because really when it boils down to it is you're talking about the personalities of people who you've actually never met. <laughs> <laughs> so you could really speculate on absolutely anything. And you could go super cynical with like, yeah. like Well, obviously like interviews and stuff, they're all kind of they're not scripted like but like like they have the pre interviews so they kinda yeah. know what they're gonna say and all that kind of crack. Although What'd you call him before James Corden took over for the Late Late Show? David Letterman? No, Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson. He he actually didn't do any of that. Like when he had a guest come out, he would always rip up the cards and then just have a conversation with him. Because I actually, but before he stopped doing it, I I started watching a lot of his stuff on YouTube, and he's really funny. 
because it is just a conversation and they don't really it's not it doesn't feel kind of oh so you came here on a bicycle how was that <laughs> you know what uh, I mean it's, it's like that's because that's the worst thing for me if it Graham Norton does it a lot that they have the big celebrity then the second celebrity and then a comedian hmm. and they just go to the comedian once or twice they do a bit from their act yeah. and they're all like oh you, you've you've drank Guinness before how was that and it's like oh don't talk about Guinness it's uh, fucking you know and then you go on there a whole bit and it's just f- so forced and you're like oh, I please. hit that as well with panel shoes like they try and act like panel shoes or you know like sort of in the moment and stuff like that and how people don't realise that this is most of the time six comedians and one presenter sitting there and then it just so happens that stuff in all of their acts comes up and, <laughs> they, and they and even the way they delivered it doesn't even sound like normal conversation Yeah, but it just seems like you said so forced and so unnatural and it's not even funny I don't think even if the, the content of those jokes are funny, you really fight with yourself to laugh at it because you mm. know that you're being played for a fool, you know what I mean? What was it's the, sorry, what was the show? We were watching like a YouTube clip of it and it was Daniel Radcliffe doing this like complicated rap of oh, the alphabet. Oh, it's Jimmy Fallon. Fucking Fallon. Oh my, like, I thought that was such a good bit they have on a show, but the way he presented it, you did feel yeah. like a fucking idiot. Exactly. You're like, come on. I, the, the way they actually like come up, like, talk and it kind of yeah. is like oh so, so you like music and <laughs> like, i don't understand that why not just say oh you've prepared this because even the, uh, i know it's, you it's, did this I, yeah, yeah. Do the it. impressive thing isn't the fact that he's doing it off the cuff it's just the fact that he can, he can do, do it, it. Yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> i fucking hate tv <laughs> <laughs> honestly especially jimmy fucking fallon i cannot stand him anyway let's move on before i go on that fucking day of travel with him but just what one more thing, just about comedians. It's worse when they're doing a bit of a thing you've already seen because, uh, uh, like, because uh, Steve Merchant had like a comedy DVD out, and I I thought it was quite funny, and so I I knew the bits from it, and then he was on Graham Norton, and he did a bit from that DVD like the exact same way and saying it, and it's like, why are you doing like old material? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. It's just it's just strange. Like it's almost like I'll oh, bring him out, let him do his party piece. You know what I mean? It's I, just it's like. I, and it's nearly like insulting the people that you're watching. It's like, oh, just give them an end. You know? But comedians do kind of, to be fair, tour on a like a, a circuit. So like a band would tour on an album. I know. But they tour th- on like this a... was years after that DVD came oh, out. Really? <laughs> yeah, so like, he's, he's already aw. toured that material. I know, like, I, cause yeah. the DVD normally comes out at the end of the tour. Like. Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. That is worse. Yeah, and the worst thing worse. is too is that obviously if you're a comedian and you're, usually a naturally funny person so if you actually as a presenter just had a conversation with a comedian then i guarantee they'd be just naturally funny or at least you would get some sort of interesting conversation with them because I, I i think steven merchant is naturally funny anyway it's I, I won't lie it's probably mostly his accent yeah but <laughs> <laughs> and the fact he's in portal 2 which is one of my favorite games ever but uh yeah i it, like if steven merchant's funny i mean like he's done podcasts with ricky gervais and he's really funny in them and that they're all off the cuff kind of stuff well maybe it's not maybe it's all screwed up carl pugadin doesn't exist (laughs) (laughs) he's dave from essex but you know huh what this is where uh, we've got our podcast called conspiracy theories of michael (laughs) breslin They're I just all about Carl Bucket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just love him. Like, he's he's so he looks absolutely baffled. I'm baffled. This is a conversation for another day. No, <laughs> what, no. Well, when they started doing the whole stuff with Carl Buckington, like there was rumors that, oh, this is a character like uh, Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant came up with, and they like he's just an actor and stuff like that. But it's obviously balls. Like, 
It must be a very good actor if it's true. No, it's not true. <laughs> because they said, yeah. we wouldn't have wasted a character this good on this podcast. Exactly. Like, it, <laughs> they would have made a whole sitcom of it. Like, say, and if he is that good an actor, then Day Lewis, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Imagine Daniel Day Lewis in the Carl Puckington story. <laughs> Imagine Carl Puckington as Iron Man. <laughs> Imagine. He's <laughs> so good. Don't know about these cable. blasters here. What's the way, way? We've been locked up for like, what's the problem? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Why am I in a cave? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some people might like caves. I don't. <laughs> uh, okay. We shall move on from that topic. That was good. Yeah. Oh, the good night. <laughs> <laughs> Went off one, like, but she wants it not. Uh, Shanko? My topic uh, this week, and uh, all the enough, it's been brought up a couple of times tonight. Uh, hmm, how convenient. It's almost like we talk about this beforehand. But, uh, <laughs> like it's scripted. <laughs> or <laughs> it's all part of the machine, man. <laughs> burn it. Burn it. <laughs> Give it my notes. <laughs> I actually thought one day maybe we should actually try and script an entire podcast and see how natural it could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you want to just do it as an experiment to Aye, see if anybody catches that's on? That's what I was thinking. Hi, <laughs> oh, we, we my name is Kiva. <laughs> 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 we just come off sound like a fucking autumn or something. You know? but, uh, the time sponsored by Acuris will be. <laughs> Have you ever talked to somebody that sounds like an automated telephone though? Girl, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> I just press one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, topic this week is genres. It's just, it's more like a kind of sort of personal opinion thing, a wee bit like yours, Mickey. It's genres that you would like to see mashed up a bit more. But the reason that I wanted to do this topic uh, this week is I was babysitting my brother the other night, and he's like eight, so obviously he wanted to watch like a superhero film, and I was kind of, oh, watch uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Because I remember watching it, but I think the first time I watched it, it was blocked. I can't really remember <laughs> it that well. It, this happens with a lot of films, I mean, like, to be honest with you. But I put it on, and again, I really enjoyed it. But what I noticed about The Winter Soldier, and I just thought was really interesting, is that, first and foremost, it's a superhero film, but why I think it's kind of elevated above a lot of the other Marvel films is because it's a superhero film and, like, a conspiracy theory spy thriller, almost like candy, like the, the 70s paranoia films, like, you know, like a Parallax View, which I recommended before. Yeah. And uh, Three Days of the Condor, and apparently three, I, I didn't know this when I was watching it, but Three Days of the Condor was a major, major influence on the screenwriters and on the directors. And that's so evident. Why you call them again? It's the two Rosses or something. In there. They're from Community. They're the directors. Anyway. Russo's. The, the Russo, Russo brothers. Yeah, yeah. Russo brothers. They, right, they directed, and I think they wrote for Community too. Yeah. But uh, I seen that, and I was like, that's just such a, an interesting spin, because that's be honest with you, right? I mean, all Marvel's films may be quite entertaining but you're essentially watching the same thing every time you know be it an origin story or like there's the big bad and you're watching you know a lot of the same set pieces and i just thought it was really nice to see it a wee bit more well besides them when obviously there's all these massive explosions but for the for the main part in that film it's sort of realistic as you can get for captain america fight scenes it's practical effects and then it's just aided by the fact that the narrative is more sort of stripped down and more realistic like more akin to like a government cover-up you know and not some fucking super extraterrestrial force or whatever yeah i just find that really really interesting so then i started thinking fuck you know it's because i would have never thought of mashing those two genres up spy you know conspiracy theory spy thriller and superhero film so i thought if that can work then what you know what genres would i like to see mashed up and then i remember a few weeks back i was talking about bone tomahawk bone tomahawk and i was saying that 
I, I, the the reason I was really intrigued is first of all because it was Kurt Russell and it was a deconstruction, but more so because it was the Western and horror being matched together. And I thought that sounds really really interesting. So you you actually you went and watched Bone Tomahawk again too, didn't you? I watched it then, and yeah, it was a very good mashup of genres. It is, it it is a very very good mashup. But I was just wondering, personal opinion wise, you know, there's no, no right answer here, folks. Say what you want. Say what you think. <laughs> but what genres would you like to see mashed up a bit more? Or what would you think would be an interesting mix? Um, I think comedy and horror is a good one that we yeah. discussed there. there. I you. think that's a, I think that's a solid one that there's not a lot of it out there. Yeah. But when it's done right, it can hit really hard. It's always hitting that balance of yeah that's the thing you see because comedy and horror are so opposites like it's uh I you're right you need that balance of when do you cut on me about a comedy or when do you let the horror kind of suspend you a bit yeah i think sorry no, go ahead. i think they are quite opposite but i think partly why they work together i don't know why they are dumb more is because when you're laughing or something's making you laugh i think it is kind of affecting you in a similar way of when you're afraid now this just might be my love of fear <laughs> yeah you're <But> a weirdo <laughs> um i think there's say there's certain films you can watch and you can kind of spectate but i think comedies and horrors are kind of you're participating in that watching experience yeah and the two of them together i think why not uh, it's almost like a sensory sort of release. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to get like, fucking Freudian or psychoanalytic. Or <laughs> I know, like, but, like, but like we, I, I really wouldn't know what I'd be talking about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, we've talked about it before. Like watching a comedy with a crowd of people is way better than watching on your own. And similar thing with horror. Like it, it is an ex- like a physical, an visceral experience. experience like. yeah. yeah. It's like, I think with comedy and horror as well, not only is it striking that balance, but it's very easy for one to dilute the other. I think it really depends on what sort of film the the actual director's trying to make. You know, if, if you want a comedy film with horror elements, then obviously the comedy has to be strong. And if the comedy's strong, it'll kind of dilute the horror, but you don't really mind as long as there's a sort of horror atmosphere in it. You're not looking for it to be scary. You want yeah. it to be funny. But if you're looking for a horror film that maybe has wee moments of levity, I think that's harder to do because, I mean, you need... You need the levity to be obviously funny, but not too funny, because it takes you out of like maybe the suspense or the tension that's been built up. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think that's where, even though again, Deacon, I think Scream, because I remember I was saying I rewatched Scream again recently for like the first time in about twelve years, and that's something that I noticed. They do this, these comedy butts on there, and even though it is, you know, supposed to be poking fun at the slasher film and it's supposed to be taking it apart and you know putting it back together again in a different way, the comedy's too sort of teenage romping and stuff like that and it just takes yes. away from yeah. some of the kind of sticks out like it has it, a bit it, odd like. it's really really glaring especially when they're trying their damnedest they recreate the the slasher genre and they're trying to create this dread around ghostface stalking you know these teenagers in their houses and fucking murdering them like and it, it just pulled me out it i couldn't remember being that sort of naff that sort of stupid well, well trying to be funny but like the, the comedy's awful and it like but it but the thing i like about scream is that Ghostface is incompetent, like yeah. like they can like knock him over and stuff, and he's like, oh shit, like that. Well, that's more scary movie. Like, oh, yeah, that's what I was getting confused between no, scream no, and scary like, movie. Like watching the first scary movie and watching Scream, they're they're the same film. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's like it is a lot of it shot for shot. Uh, you just forget how similar those two films are. 
it's but, frightening though it just shows how devastating <laughs> par- I think it shows how devastating a party can be to a film's reputation you know what I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> all I can think is like take my strong hand <laughs> I know that's the second one the second. I remember that's the second scary movie I don't even know is it on screen apparently, apparently <laughs> scary movie fans they actually argue like Godfather fans argue you know what's better one or two you know what I mean? oh. four <laughs> scary movie four is the best one um, a mashup I always wanted to do um now, this wasn't necessarily on film. Um, I was thinking of like a theater piece. Right. Um, it was a zombie musical. Ah. I always thought that'd be pretty <laughs> funny because obviously zombies can't really talk or sing. So how would that work? As, <laughs> so I just thought that'd be a really Did funny you, you idea. Did you write this or was this just an idea? There's there's a few songs. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's drafts. <laughs> there's you drafts. Have, you have to bring at least one of those songs on next week. <laughs> I'll find my book. I've got a special book. Yes, I love it. <laughs> special all zombie musical book. All enough, you saying that, I, two genres that I always want to see mashed up because they're, like your one, they're completely unrelated and I actually wrote, it'll never see a light of day, not even they, my closest friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote a, a wee short script once just fucking about because I wanted to see how it would happen but I wrote a film noir zombie film. Ooh. <laughs> I think I remember this. I uh, I wrote a film. It was only it was only like two years ago. <laughs> like it's not oh, like. Oh no, I'm I'm thinking about way back in the day. No, I'm not. No, that was just a standard zombie film when oh, I was like okay. fifteen, and that is that's been burnt. <laughs> <laughs> that was me, that was me taking my first steps on the trying to write something because I was getting on the films. But uh, I have filmed the large zombie film. But the way I was the way I was going to play it, and the way I, I think I I thought it would have worked or would have been pretty cool is that. And this is always, I I think all the best sort of mashups working this way, where they present it as just your standard genre piece for like maybe the first 20 or 30 minutes. But in the first 20 or 30 minutes, you notice that maybe someone's a wee bit off, but you can't tell what, because you're that just kind of engaged by the film. But I was going to have it as like a normal like PA walking through this hotel. I love when I'm just trying to sell a script of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're like, it's never going to see the light of day. Yeah, Here it is. But, but it let me tell you everything about it. <laughs> it was this PA walking through a hotel. No dialogue or not I got there because I can't write dialogue. So uh, <laughs> he's going for this hotel and it's, he's like investigating a case and he's walking from one room to the other because he sees like this trail of blood and it's like all this voiceover and stuff. He gets you like a kind of classic fall noir voiceover and as soon as he opens the door in black and white as well, it's fucking like really... CGA looking zombie just bursts out of them and you're like what the what's going on here but I mean I, I don't know it just I, I, at the time I thought it would work but then just saying that there now I realise it's shit <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing keep no. working on it keep working on it yeah I forgot about it now I would, I would say practical effects for the zombie not CGA it's all it's mainly <laughs> you think we got a four CGA we're working on a 50 pound budget probably <laughs> 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 it'll be with a couple of fucking Straps of bacon tied onto your <laughs> face. <laughs> Couple of biscuits. Couple of biscuits and bacon just smashed all of me. <laughs> but a fake blood. I probably just red sauce actually. Fuck making fake yeah, blood. Yeah, red sauce. Red sauce yeah. does a trick. Oh, actually, no, it's black and white too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who cares? Brown sauce. Brown sauce. Hey, Sam, what are we starting shooting, guys? Hey, I'm not going to sound this now. Just as well, um, uh, you all have to be in my zombie musical, so. Definitely. It's called Deadbeats. I do, I mean. Ooh. Oh, that's hilarious. Ah, that's that's really good. <laughs> I, I completely missed that, that until I Deadbeats <laughs> is fucking amazing. Deadbeats awesome. Be How much is this? We, we, actually, we could start our own production company. You've yeah. got a zombie musical. I have a zombie film noir. Mickey can I, get the buskets. I, <laughs> I have a film about a man showing his dick to his employer. What? You, have you made this? 
No, I wrote it. <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> no, I didn't. Man, choose back to employer. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Dick boss. <laughs> Dick boss. <laughs> Maggie, that sounds like a very thin plot. This is certainly not a feature film, though. No, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's three hour epic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like we five minute short film I wrote. You should make that. Oh, well, I don't know. Let's make that. We could do that right here. I could play your boss. Show me your dick. No, I have to go to work. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> no, Guys, I've got a meeting and then you're left with your boss and then... You oh. see the, the the boss is a female. Oh, well, keep it. Go to the boss. work for me. I'll go to work. I'll do your <laughs> shift, right? So, Shan, get your dick out. To who? Show it to Kiva. I'm the boss. She's, she doesn't want to see that. Nobody wants to see it, Shan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point of the film. <laughs> So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no actually, I don't know why I'm still talking about this, but no, the the thing about it is, have you ever gotten so drunk that all you have is images in your head, but you're not sure in what order they happened oh, in? Mickey, who's that you're talking? Of course, <laughs> but no. It's just, Every time I do this podcast, I get that. <laughs> That's no, my process of thought. <laughs> well, <how> drunk. <laughs> no, so so the, so the process of it was that he has like these four images in his head of his deck. His boss, like something, I uh, can't even mind what the So he doesn't know what order the things Ooh. happened in, so he doesn't know if he actually showed his dick to his boss. So it's like memento with dicks? Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. I absolutely love it. I like that. I, 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 I like it more when you explained it that way. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to just a boy walking in their room and showing his dick there again. It sounds a bit ripey. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like. You could get fired for that, you know. See, that's thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I, I want to see what happens post dick showing. Or you could get hired for that. <laughs> depends what oh. depends what line of work you're on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fluffer, you're sort of. <laughs> I think what happens at the end is that he ends up making out with a guy. <laughs> Not quite sure. Has this been wrote? Yeah, it is wrote. I demand they see it after this podcast. I don't know where it is. Right. Find it. Keep people on the edge of sheets. Next week's podcast will involve <laughs> the. Songs for your uh, Dead Beats musical, the script for my film, the War Zombie film, and the entire script for uh, Mickey's Show Your Dick to Your Boss film. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll still have the tinsel up from Christmas. <laughs> I think us. Oh, uh, yeah, that's there. That <laughs> lives there now. <laughs> I think us just describing projects that we once done just shows our uh, limitations, talent wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I've. <laughs> like, because we're sitting here like we're sitting here pretending now being all like oh well, it's just something I, wrote. Like, I, I don't really care but you know for a fact we're giving our all every, like every one of those projects we were giving it everything we got no well I have, I have another film where a guy like he gets stranded out in the country and he shows his dick to a cow <laughs> Is this a series? I know that happened to you. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's biographical. That's fucking biographical. That's the time you got lost after, what was it, Glasgow Beret? Or Glasgow Glasgow Beret Festival? Yeah. Mickey got abandoned out in the country and had a fucking thumb at home. And he showed his dick to a cow. He didn't mean to, like, he was taking a piss and the cow was staring oh. at him. Aye, right, but then the cow kept staring at me, so I ducked underneath some bushes and... <laughs> Crawled along the road for a bit and then popped back up and the cow was still looking at me. I was like, how did you know? If they're staring at you, though, like especially like a, like a field full of cows, you should go because they're going to stampede at you. What? Oh, really? I just thought I just thought cows look at you. They're all, what are you in my field? And I'm like, I'm I wasn't in their, I wasn't in their field, though. I was I, out in the road. I didn't know cows 
stampeded. I thought they were like too fucking lazy and didn't really know what was going on. Oh, any animal can stampede. I didn't see just need, just need one bad apple. <laughs> yeah. Once so one goes. Spotlight over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> it's an <Well>, epidemic. <laughs> hang on, were we actually still talking about a topic or how did we get on to this? We were talking about my mash-ups. topic about genre mashups. Okay. Hey, my genre mashups are all pretty boring. They're all just kind of sci-fi with other things. Oh, it's not bad. Tell me what. I don't know, like sci-fi fantasy, I think is good, such as Star Wars. Or yeah. Like sci-fi westerns, pretty good, such as Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but like things uh, about stars and wars. <laughs> Star I, Wars. <laughs> I actually went to the toilet er- earlier, and I'm wearing Star Wars underwear, and I realized Star Wars backwards is rats raw. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, you've been obsessed with Star Wars for about twenty years. And this is, I think, the peak now. Of <laughs> you can only go so far, Mickey. You've had the pinnacle of knowledge in regards to Star Wars. How the fuck have you only noticed that? Rats Raw is definitely going to be a character in my zombie musical. Yeah. I'm just Rats saying. <laughs> I think Rats Raw should be the name of my PA. <laughs> Rats Raw, see? What's all these fucking zombie things, see? <laughs> um... No, but yeah, like like sci-fi and western, like as it was done, like uh, Firefly and stuff like that, where it was more heavily western, but with like a sci-fi ilk. Or done Le- lasso and cowboys and versus what aliens. What was the cowboys and aliens? Not versus aliens. Exactly. The film version of Firefly, Serenity. Serenity. Yeah. Serenity. I like that. That's I like Firefly too. It was just we sad that it was. Wait, what did I tell you for? She what did I tell you for? Oh, he's getting better at it. We had this thing a few weeks back before you started coming on the podcast where I always get slagged because I can't pronounce actors' names. And fair enough, some actors' names I completely butcher. But the one actor's name that I can get right is one of the most uh, complicated. She with the you for? I'm, I still think that's wrong. <laughs> no, old enough, I was on his Wikipedia page two days ago and I looked at the pronunciation of his name. I Don't ask me why I do these things. It was very boring. Work. <laughs> like, she with the you for? Give it a go. She with the you for? Yes, first go, straight at the bat. Keep I don't screen. even know who it is, though. It's fucking uh, Solomon Upton. Nor- Northman. Northman from 12 Years a Slave. Right, okay. That's him. Chiatel Isn't that, there's not a T in there? Chiatel? She what? Is there, is it a T or a W? There's, I think there's a W in the, in the, in the first name. Chiatel? She what? Chiatel? Check his name. No. Check his name. No, it's better a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did we meet him and ask him? <laughs> it's never going to happen. Ask him about that and what was it like being in Kinky Boots? And ask also <laughs> what his favourite genre mashups would be and also ask him will he be in your, uh, show your dick to your boss full. He needs to be the dick. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be my dick. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody else for the role, she little. <laughs> um, any other genre mashups people want to talk about? No, nah, I think we're done. I think we've I think we've board. exhausted that topic. I do, and, uh, in fairness, I think we've uh, through that topic kind of long, hard, cold look at ourselves yeah, as well, yeah. <laughs> and where yeah. and where our creative spark is actually going. <laughs> I feel different about myself now. Uh, I was thinking as well, it would be really, really mental is if we fucking mashed all three of those projects together. <gasps> so we had a zombie film noir musical where a boy shows his dick to his boss. <laughs> <laughs> that has a word written all over it. Dollar bills, yo! We're we making it rain in no time. <laughs> See, I just kind of came to the realisation like maybe... I should stop showing my dick to people. <laughs> <laughs> Never stop. Well, Never stop. That's better than a realisation that I've just had, that I have no talent whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I try and convince myself, I do not. <laughs> oh. 
Okay, we'll move on to recommendations. Uh, Check out. Oh, fuck, I just kind of jumped ahead either. My recommendation this week is uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. Uh, I think it's 1992. Directed by James Foley. Uh, wrote by David Mamet, who is one of the best writers of dialogue and just best screenwriters or theatre writers ever. Probably has the best ensemble cast ever. Uh, it's like Al Pacino, uh, Kevin Spacey, Jack Lemmon, Alan Arkin, and... Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, and as well, Ed Harris, one of my favourite actors. Mm. Uh, it's set around this real estate company. It's literally about one day in this real estate company where they're all kind of fighting against each other so you can get the best sales because apparently that real estate company is failing. They get a guy from uh, Mitch and Murray, which is Alec Baldwin. They come down and basically threaten them with their job, so it's all them plotting against each other and trying to sell as many leads as they're called, which is just basically land as possible. And... It's just phenomenal. Like, uh, I was talking about the film I watched this week, Spotlight. It's, I wouldn't say it's very similar to that in any way, narrative-wise. You know, there's fucking gel abuse and all I got there happened in there. But it's very similar in the fact that there's no fat on it. It's all outstanding performances, but nobody overshadows anybody else. You know what I mean? It's just top, top actors on top of their game with fucking a great story and great dialogue. And you should definitely give it a go. Mm. Kiva. Um, my recommendation this week is a film called Headhunters. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's Norwegian, mm-hmm. um, so it's subtitled. I don't think there's a dubbed version, but you don't need it. Is, Just there, is there a dubstep version? <laughs> <laughs> there is. <laughs> um, uh, it is about an art thief mm. um, whose wife is an art dealer. I don't think she's aware of the thievery. Ooh. But... Um, he seems to be in a relationship with her under a kind of false premise that he's richer than he is. So he's hoping for this one big steal. Um, He says there's two things about art, thieving art, I'm going to call it, is either you're going to get caught or you're going to make a massive payoff and you'll never have to do it again. Um, He makes an enemy in Jamie Lannister. I don't know what's her (laughs) real name. Nicholas Coster Waldo. Oh, um, he make he makes an enemy in him, which is never a good idea, and madness pursues. Yeah, um, it's available on Netflix. Watch now. <laughs> <laughs> Possible spoilers? Does somebody get their head chopped? I don't know. <laughs> a dog, suggest. a dog does get stuck in the front of a pick fork though. No, not a pick fork. Try a tractor. Why the fuck did I say pick fork? What is a pick fork? <laughs> I thought you meant like a trident. A trident? Like a pitchfork? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is a trident? Like a three prong thing that pitchfork? the devil has in King Triton. Ah, oh, I thought it was Ariel's there. Yeah, hi. Ariel's there. Ariel's there. He stabs the shit out of Ursula. Fuck you. He's literally called King Triton because he's big, massive Triton. Okay, fair enough. Apparently, it has three heads. I stand correct. My recommendation this week is. A very nostalgic one for me. I haven't watched it in a while, but you're, you're a very nostalgic man, Mickey. Yeah. I've said that about you before. I'll probably put that in your gravestone. I often remember that about myself. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, no, it's uh, "Dead Man Shoes" by uh, Shane Meadows, uh, favorite of ours, Paddy Considine. Absolutely love him. I mean, when me and Champ first seen the film, when we were. 15 or Youths. <laughs> but, but boys. But Youths. boys. Uh, no, we actually really enjoyed it. I'd say now maybe like no, seeing a bit more about film. Like it's it's still a good film, but 
you know, it wasn't as spectacular as what we thought. Oh, I, I don't know because it, I was. It still, it still stands out for me just because it, just the kind of notes that it hit with me. Like that's the kind of first film that really did it for me, kind of thing. So yeah. it still, it is the whole nostalgia thing for me. I still think it's a great film. I mean, I, I know we're trying to keep this quick, but even though it's a paper thin plot, Constantine's amazing in it, and it's just that really unbelievably grim atmosphere in the Midlands yeah. of England that, that Shea Meadows is able to draw up and you would almost say that you could near enough classify it as a fucking horror film at times too because it's just human horror this boy's stalking these boys yeah. because you know they, they've done something in the past which I won't spoil uh, they, they, they someone in, in his family like but it's, I, I think it's a great film and only enough it was going to be my recommendation this week because we were at a house party the other night and uh. yeah, it was, and we, were, we were at a house party this week and somebody whacked on a club it it's that really tense scene where the head of the gang goes up and confronts Paddy Constantine. This is my favourite scene in the film so and good. I always quote it which is a terrible thing to quote. Can I just say though it just shows the type of parties that we go to. <laughs> <laughs> somebody at 6 o'clock no, 6 o'clock in the morning somebody whacks on a fucking dead man's shoes club. <laughs> But it's the scene, and he's just so intense. And I, 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 I'm the same as you, nostalgia ways. Where it's one of the first times when I was maybe first getting on the film in me early teens or whatever that I, I seen a performance that actually kind of shook me. And yeah. especially, I think it was even more um, satisfying, and it, it embedded with me even more because I had no idea who this guy was. You know, it wasn't a Tom Hanks or a Tom Cruise or like you know a name actor. Yeah, it was some very very unknown actor at the time, and Paddy Constantine, who's went on the kind of bigger things now. But it's that scene where he's all. You're there, mate. You're fucking there, and he just squeezes his hand with him inside it. Like it's oh, it's so intense. Oh no, I was on about the one, the bar where, uh, Paddy Costa is just kind of looking at the gang. Oh, and man. then the one, the kind of head of the gang, wherever decides to kind of stand up in front of his midst to try and be a big man, kind of thing. He's all like, "What you look at, mate?" And straight away. Paddock also is just all you you cunt <laughs> straight away like he barely finishes the sentence just bangs his chairs all you you cunt oh it's so good I want to watch it like tonight or something well actually I'm going to a party tonight so I'll just wag I it on just wag it off <laughs> hey guys I brought this uh, mixtape with me <laughs> <laughs> but because it is like a low budget kind of English film as well and because we've seen it when we're when we were a bit younger it kind of felt like something we only knew about kind of yeah. Like, if you said to your mad ass, I was like, oh, you seen Dead Mad Cheese? Like, no, I was like, of course you didn't. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it kind of has that wee thing. It's like, oh, it's our wee film. Uh, it's our film. Helps like, their teenagers in. Eh? Because I, I was really disappointed then when I went to uni and mentioned Dead Mad Cheese. I was like, oh, I have seen that. I was like, fuck. <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> I bought you for your birthday once many moons ago, too. Ah, uh, yeah, still have it. On DVD. DVD. I also have it on DVD. Mm. So mm. I'll DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Let's lend our DVDs to each other. I think we'll just the uh, finalizing that we did man choose to because it was so low budget and because it was a sort of film that I hadn't seen before. Like as before, I'd seen like kitchen sink dramas, you know, like Ken Loach sort of films, or before I'd seen like kind of just any sort of low budget film in general. It kind of gave me the feeling like as like maybe I don't know when I was fourteen, fifteen, maybe sixteen when I seen it that oh, I could, I could do that. They gave me I like me and my friends could yeah. possibly make it because it is like super low budget. It was like made for like a couple of hundred grand or like fifty grand or something like that, but it just made it feel achievable. You know, it, it took away that sort of sheen and glamour of all the Hollywood films that you were used to seeing, and you know for a fact that you couldn't do well, like fucking a couple of hundred million pound, like, and it made it seem like 
you could actually achieve that. You just stay in camera a couple of minutes. Like. That's, that's pretty much <laughs> like, you know. Credit union loan. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, have to give, you have to give an excuse to the credit union why you need the loan. Why do you need your loan? I'm going to make my masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a show made dick to my boss. Right? <laughs> and then a cow. <laughs> and, and they're singing zombies. Yeah. It's good. And there's a PA in there. <laughs> and it's set in 1942. <laughs> <sighs> So credit union, Derry, we're we're coming toward you. We're coffee and we want sixty grand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we'll wrap it up there. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you know, suggest some of your failed movie ideas, you know, we can make them. We'll hand down the credit union next week. We can put you on the bill. <laughs> You can uh, get in contact with us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also uh, like us, review us on iTunes, ACAST, and also on Stitcher Radio. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Keep us shwinny. has been keep us shwinny. Hey, I'm bye. Shanko's been Shanko. Yeah, yeah. Episode 36. What? Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. We've never had talent, have we? Uh, I have. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Kiva. Go to work in a bar. <laughs> no, it's just d- I only work in a bar. That's <laughs> where you put the emphasis. <laughs> Punctuation is key. And th- on that note, I'm rolling. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.